1: Madrosian throws to Sandberg and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it, throws to first. It's over. 27 years of waiting have built on in.
0: The Giants have won the pennant. All
1: right, all right Brad. Baseball season is definitely officially completely <laughs> over and we are now in the off season we can't stretch the world series any any longer than we did this is the first show where we not talking about anything that's happened on the field we are officially talking about everything that's happening off the field so i, I think bef- even before we get to uh what we're drinking the first thing i kind of want to ask you is this happened right as we were recording the last episode. We talked about the Gossman thing, and a little footnote to that, and I don't even think we even realized it, is that Dave Rigetti and Sean Dunstan were let go. I, I'm assuming because of the situation that happened with, uh, with they had to do with the layoffs because uh, you know the team didn't make as much money as they did without having fans and without a full season of games. That was that. That was a hard one. I was really sad to hear about that. Two guys who have been with the franchise for a long time, and Rigetti, You know, Rigetti like literally retired with the Giants and then went into coaching. It seems like,
2: right. And I think the speculation at the time that he quote unquote retired was was this a forced retirement? Was this uh, due to his own volition? So who knows at that? Um, now it is, and that was 2017, at the end of the 2017 season, so 18, 19, 20, three years without rags. He's been in the... Um,
1: you know, special consultant or special assistant sure, or whatever that role is. I'm not exactly sure what
2: those are. <laughs> so it was Dunstan as well, right, for the last couple of years. Well, um, Dunstan
1: was doing the um, the replay stuff, right? Like He was the guy well, who would signal for the replay stuff for a little while there.
2: He was doing that up until, again, 17. I believe, or, okay. you know, or okay. 18, 18, actually, I think he went one more year, uh, on Bochi's coaching staff. And then when, uh, or no, two more years. And then when Bochy retired, then he became a special assistant, so to speak. Um, but rags, you know, what, what I find kind of interesting is rags had no comment, um, about his, uh, being laid off this time, uh, this time around here. And Dunstan had a lot to say. He, you know, he just praised the organization for giving him a chance, for giving him this coaching chops. Uh, he said it's time for, you know, somebody else to kind of step in and get that opportunity. Uh, he was thankful. He said he couldn't be happier to get those 10, uh, 12, and 14 rings. Uh, you remember he was a player. His final season in Major League Baseball, he was on the 2002 World Series team. Mm-hmm. Um played a pretty good role with the team in 2001 and 2002. Um, but yeah, Rags didn't have anything at all to say, uh, no comment whatsoever on the uh, being let go. I can't imagine, you know, you're with an organization that long. Um, gosh, he was the pitching coach for the Giants from 2000 to 2017, that's 17 yeah. seasons. And then all of a sudden you're, you know, in the front office and then it's, you know, Bye. But I don't know. I mean, it, I'm sure more will come out about it. Rags is kind of a private dude, so we may not get the full
1: story. But we'll we'll find out at some point. And, and I mentioned that he had been with the Giants and seemingly retired, and then came back. Like it wasn't exactly that. It just feels that way. He was with the Giants through the '93 season. Then he signed with the A's in '94. Signed with the Blue Jays midway through '94 after he was released. And then he tried to play out uh, one more season. Uh, I think he played the White Sox, and then that was pretty much the end. I think he wanted to continue, but but no takers there. So from 1995 when he retired to 2000, uh, that's the time frame that uh, you know that he was out out of playing and before coaching. so but yeah, 2000 to 2017, he is, I think. Uh, you know, who, who knows, but like you would always hear that Rigetti was a possible head coach or a possible manager. And I, you know, you always wondered when, you know, when Dusty left or when uh, Alou left, like, was Rigetti going to be the guy? And they never offered him that position. And then Bochi came in. And so I, don't, it's probably to the point where he he lost that opportunity. But I always wondered... How good of a of a manager he would have been, because you you know seemingly it's the catchers and and the pitchers and you know who who move into those move into that kind of role, but I, they never did anything with him, and he seemed to be content just you know being in that same role for all those years. Well, he's yeah, I mean you know we've watched him for so
2: many years now with the organization. He's just kind of a laid back dude. I mean yeah, you know and and Matt Kane, you know said he credited quite a bit of his early career to rags and, and pretty much his entire career. Cause I mean, that's who he pitched for. Um, but, but basically he said, you know, he, he, he helped me learn as a young kid, you know, of how to be in this game. And he also helped me learn by, by letting me make mistakes and letting me learn, uh, you know, learn on the job basically of how to be a major league pitcher. Um, And you could see that out of Rags. I mean, guys really responded to him. Catchers really responded to him. Was he a managerial, you know, did he have that managerial blood in him? I'm not really sure. Um, Not so much as like, you know, Bam Bam. I mean, Bam Bam was, you know, sought after by multiple clubs for a few years there. Uh, Wotus was even in the mix. I don't know if Rags ever... Had that uh, had that desire. I don't even know if he had any interviews. I don't know if he even went to any uh, manager interviews or not. We'll have to take a look into that. But um, I mean, he could have he could have he could have made a good one. But even in the succession of Giants managers, I mean, he managed for Dusty Baker, he managed for Alou, he managed for Bochi At no point, you know, did you ever hear like, hey, Rags is going to be the next in line. You always heard uh, it's going to be Wotus, it's going to be Bam Bam. These guys are going to take over. These guys are going to be the new, you know, manager of the Giants when, you know, and even David Bell, when he came in, um, you know, and was uh, uh, in the scouting system for the Giants, uh, the personnel uh, department, even him, you know, they said, well, he's going to be and now he's with the Reds. So never really heard that as much with Rags for some reason.
1: All right. So now we can, I, I just wanted to mention that because, you know, uh, I think it, it actually happened when we were talking last week, but we didn't really, I, I don't know if I just missed the headline or it was like kind of buried in some of the articles, but it was right around the same time. And and then you you texted me the, lex, like the next day going, like, oh man, we missed this. So I wanted no, to I lead think, off the show with it.
2: I think I texted you that night. Actually, mm-hmm. it was about an hour after we finished. I said, oh, man, and it looked like it happened probably about five minutes. I saw the tweet um, was timed about five minutes before we started recording. So that, that's why we, you know, just kind of slipped past
1: us. All right. So now we can get to what are you drinking? I know you have a very interesting drink going on right now.
2: All right. So I'm going to see how many drops I have left before I... No, I'm all out. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I like to, you know, after you pour a beer, you like to let it sit for a little bit and then, you know, and then tilt the can and see if you can get a couple more, three, four more (laughs) drops. I already did that. So, uh, brewer, (laughs) try to milk it. The brewer's cabinet is a uh, brewery here in, in Reno, Nevada. I'll, uh, I'll tag them in our post, too, because they're awesome. If you're in this area, if you ever come to Reno, this is a place I always tell people. They go, hey, man, um, you know, I'm in Reno. I want to go to a cool brewery. There's a couple of really nice ones here. Uh, but the brewer's cabinet, they, they have fantastic food, great beer. They make their um, their burgers with pretzel buns. I mean, oh wow, can't go wrong there, right? Um, but this is called the Dirty Wookiee. Uh, and yes, it is, uh, you know, Wookiee as in Star Wars lore. How, how they get away with it, I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite sure. It's been around for a long time. I bought a t shirt, I bought a pint glass. It is a uh, kind of an imperial brown ale. Um, so it's a very meaty brown ale at 7.1%. And I'm on that untapped app. Uh, Mm -hmm. so if anybody else is out there and you can find me, uh, please add me, uh, Evans 5150 on there. Um, and I, I give beers, five-star ratings. I'm not like some people you know on there who are like, I'll give it a five-star rating if it's the best beer I've ever had. Nah, I, I don't have time for that. I'll give it a five-star rating if it's something I'm going to stock in my fridge okay. reg- regularly. If, if it's something I want to open my fridge and see, and I'll be super excited, and when I run out, I need to get more. That's what I give five star Sierra Nevada, pale ale, um, dirty Wookiee is on that list. Uh, a lot of Sierra Nevadas. Sierra Nevada celebration ale, uh, stone brewing ruination IPA. So there's, there's quite a few fives. I give probably about 10 different beers. I've given fives to. but, um, but this one's great. And especially on a cold, cold night in Reno, we are now at, uh, what are we at? 32 degrees still. We haven't gone above I don't, I don't think we've gone above 34 today. Uh, got out and got to shovel yesterday, shovel some snow. That was always fun. Um, and so, yeah, this is a, this is a go-to to warm you up.
1: That, uh, the fact that it's so cold there, you know, we, <laughs> we, we have, you know, when, when it gets below 50, that that's what we consider cold out here in, oh, in yeah. uh, you know, the San Jose, now I'm in Sunnyvale area, but, uh, last night it was cold and, you know, we have a new puppy. And and so you know you can get to wake up in the middle of the night because <laughs> you know he's got a very tiny bladder and you got to go. So I think it was like I don't know maybe it's like two or three o'clock in the morning. You know when I got up and and sent him out there and you know I'm a I'm a tank top and shorts guy pretty much <laughs> every single day winter included. There there will be maybe about ten days in the entire year will I will actually throw on long pants to go to sleep in. <laughs> And so I'm out there in the tank top and the shorts, and I shut the door, and I'm like, oh, my God, it is cold out here. It was it was kind of crazy. Like, it's the first time, in, you know, probably since, I don't know, since uh, maybe uh, – February or March, where I really actually thought it was actually cold outside. So, and that's like fifty something, right? Well, it was probably in the in the forties or. Something. Oh, okay. In, you know, in in the night, but uh, but in in this morning, it was really cold, and it's you know it is as of right now, it's fifty five. So that's that's pretty chilly for this 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 area. Oh, for sure. And then you get the humidity on
2: top on top of that, which we don't get. So when you get that fifty five and humidity. It feels like it's like 30-something. Mm-hmm. We, You know, shortly after we got a, a rescue cat, this guy was a mess, and he got out one night, and it was uh, 10 degrees out. So I go running out in the shorts and the sweatshirt and I'm shining a flashlight and his name was Pete. So I'm like, where's Pete? Where did Peter go? So I'm looking around and about to get in the car and drive around and look for Pete. He'd snuck out, but it was so damn cold that he snuck into the kid's playhouse and was curled up in the kid's playhouse. <laughs> he didn't go far. He's like, man. So as soon as I opened the back door, he came running in. He goes, oh man, that was a dumb idea.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He figured it out very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Not, never again am I going to run run away (laughs) nope (laughs) so what do you got to drink uh so i have um this is actually kind of uh an an interesting thing because the uh the safeway like you know safeway in general you know around here at least those, those are the grocery the grocery stores outside of your whole foods or your trader joe's there's a couple of sprouts out here but safeways is kind of like you know when we were growing up it was like Lucky's and Alpha Beta <laughs> yeah. and Safe. there was like seven <laughs> grocery store chains but now like it's almost only like it's only one as far as i know and so i i, I was trying to like see i every time i go to Safeway if, if you know we get groceries once a week uh and every time i go i go okay you know what would i need in my liquor cabinet that is fairly general and commercial right cuz Safeway is only going to have mostly commercial brands they may have something kind of interesting here and there but i saw the um duane the rock johnson's tequila oh i've seen that yeah ter terramana and i had only seen it at like um uh what are what are the drink uh what are the the stores that that you that you buy the booze at these days um like uh, bevmo <laughs> yeah
2: we have a total, and total wine total drink. wine yeah, yeah.
1: right so I could only find them in those areas, and and so then I was at Lucky's. I don't know. I'm Lucky's. I was at Safeway maybe I don't know two or three weeks ago, and I was like, oh wow, like they, they have, Terramana, Dwayne the Rock Johnson's tequila at Safeway. Like it's actually a kind of a big thing if you yeah. make it to Safeway because it's so commercial. The uh, the other thing is um, there's a uh, uh, an Irish whiskey called Proper 12. Oh, I've seen that, yeah. And Proper 12 is the whiskey of uh, UFC fighter Conor McGregor. So it's kind of funny. You have, like, the UFC guy. He's got Proper 12 <laughs> in Safeway. And Dwayne The Rock Johnson, the wrestling guy, has got the Terramana at Safeway as well. So I had to buy both. I had to buy the uh, the the gold and the silver. So the, the, the Reposado is what I'm drinking tonight. And I kind of do the same thing with both of them is... I mix it with a little bit of seltzer water and then some lemon juice, and I just go, and that's what I have tonight. I have the reposado, so the gold, with a little bit of seltzer water, some ice, and a little bit of lemon juice, and I'm ready to go. I don't know if it's a great idea to drink tequila at <laughs> five o'clock
2: in the evening. <laughs> well, where do you go from
1: there?: But yeah, for, the po- the for the podcast, for the podcast, I had to do it. so I think yeah. I'm, probably, I'm probably stuck drinking tequila tonight when uh, Crystal and I you know, when we watch whatever we're going to watch on TV.
2: Now OK, so now when you do that, and, and you've had the tequila, and then, and then you're like, mm, I'm going to have another one." How far do you get into this show before you're asleep? <laughs> or is or is yeah. that just me?
1: <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, no. It it, it is. It's a fight, and, and like it's funny because our nighttime routine is 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 Crystal goes to bed way earlier than I do. But so we're you know we have to kind of you know bring you know I taking showers and get ready for bed. I have to prepare like I'm going to go to sleep when she goes to sleep.
2: Yeah, because you can't get back into the room.
1: But yeah, but I don't actually go to sleep and I come home, I come to my office and I do some work or I do some editing on some podcast thing or something. But like with the, the tequila, I, I feel like, oh, I really want to go to bed right now. <laughs> but I've saved all these things that I have to do for work right. in the evening and so I have to fight it. And so sometimes I'll take like a 20 minute nap and then I'll pop up and I'll be, I'll
2: be ready to go again. Well, I tell you, Men's Health magazine—I can't remember if it was this month or last month. I think it was last month. And I, yes, I still get paper magazines. I'm one of the five people in the country, I think, that wow. still does. But they're fun because, like Men's Health, you can you can get it for five bucks for a year. So why not? I mean, it's fun. I like sure. to sit on the couch. I actually, I actually like yeah. that magazine. No, it's yeah, it's a good magazine. That one I get that one and Wired right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know I like the Wired articles. They're they're interesting, but they were very very kind. To They they did a quick little spread on like five or six different celebrities that had their own uh, liquors, and they were very kind to The Rock's tequila. Mm. And and I think Matthew McConaughey's uh, bourbon, because I think he's linked up with like Long Branch, um, which is a division of like Wild Turkey. Uh, So they were kind. They were not kind to Conor McGregor's uh, Irish whiskey at all. They do, That's up all the ones. They said this one's good. This one's good. This one's good. They got to his and they go, don't even bother. <laughs> so, take it for what it's worth. I don't know. Try it. Maybe, uh,
1: poor, poor Connor. <laughs> I, I'm not a fan of it either. By the way, okay, it, it's like. It's like Jameson Light Ooh, is what yeah. is what it tastes like. Yeah, yeah, don't even bother. That's kind of the deal. Uh, all right, so let, let, let's go. Let's dig into the news. Of, oh, we're uh, doing a uh, baseball podcast. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. We still got some baseball to talk about. Uh, the Giants, uh, like we talked about last time. So Gossman has uh, from this taping a couple of more days. Um, to, uh, to accept the qualifying offer or not accept the qualifying offer, which means that they may be looking at a longer term contract or that he's not going to sign with them at all. But it seems like based on the fact that they did offer him that qualifying offer that he is probably going to be with, with the team, but he has a couple more days to do that. So I imagine we'll hear some news on that in the next couple days. Donovan Solano, aka Donnie Barrels, yeah. won the Silver Slugger Award for the second base position. And if you looked at the numbers, it's very much deserved. But I, I did wonder because he doesn't really have that name. Was he actually going to win the award? And he won the award. Good for, good for Donnie Barrels.
2: <laughs> I think, I think that probably pushed him over the top.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's think... <laughs> a great nickname uh but but you know because he's a he's not a very well-known guy and and a lot of times like these awards you know if, if you're at the end of the year and you're like some beat writer and you didn't get to watch any games during the season. You had to watch everything on TV and you had to do these interviews during Zoom. Like, are you really paying attention to who you're voting for for the Silver Slugger? <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> well, and, you know, the guy worked so hard. And, I mean, it's such an awesome award. He And he's, he's accepting this thing like he got the MVP. I mean, that's, you know... That's pretty awesome. He's he's he in the uh, interviews I've read. He's like, man, I yeah, I want to thank everybody who helped me throughout my career. Did everything for me, and he should. I mean, gosh, the guy deserves it. He'd been kind of toiling around in the minors. Um, He was with the Dodgers organization, um, and then Zaidi took a chance on him. And and I mean, look at the guy. I mean, I can't wait to see a full. Another a full 162 game season with him uh, at second base and see what the guy can do uh, now with a couple years under his belt in the Giants organization. What
1: is his contract like?
2: You know, uh, I could take a look if you want to move on to the next thing. I'll take a quick check here.
1: Yeah, so what we're going to talk a little bit about some of the major league news as it relates to the Giants. But I did want to mention uh, they they announced the as of again as of our recording. They did announce the um, Rookie of the Year. So Kyle Lewis, uh, we had talked about him on on a podcast many weeks ago when the Giants played the Mariners. He won the American League Rookie of the Year 11 Jacks for Kyle, and he's the first Mariner to win the award since Ichiro won it in 2001. On the National League side, Brewers right-handed pitcher Devin Williams uh, won the NL Rookie of the Year. He is the first Brewer to win it since Ryan Braun in 2007. So well, I, what is the schedule of these awards? Do they just announce one like every day?
2: You, no, it's... <laughs> the frustrating thing is they used to do that, right? Yeah. They used to do that one every day. But they used to say, here's the American League and National League MVP. Here's the AL and NL Cy Young. Now it's like every couple days there's uh, here's the mm-hmm. silver sluggers all right 2 3 days later here's this 2 3 days later here's the american league mvp then the next day here's the no- i mean they're dragging them out and I, and i'm not exactly sure why but you know they're they're doing their best to drag this out as far as they can um looking at Donnie barrels he's how about this for a bargain 3 million next year Zadie, man and I'm just telling you three million and then he's unrestricted free agent in 2022. So, you know, he's 32 years old. He's going to probably be 33 during next year, um, during the season. Is that somebody you want to lock up for a couple more years?
0: Mm, maybe,
2: mm, maybe, I mean, yes. Yeah. Second base position. They don't really have anybody coming up behind him. Who's ready to take that spot. So, um, yeah, maybe, maybe you do. Maybe you try to lock him up for two more years. Give him. a, uh, you know, two-year, ten million dollar deal to extend him into two thousand twenty-three. He'll be thirty-five at that point, and then you cut ties.
1: Well, I think the thing about him, it's not his value isn't just that. You know, he's a second second baseman. His value is definitely more on the offensive side because he swings the bat. He's not afraid to uh, you know to to dig in against some of the better pitchers in the league. I, I just wish he had. And look, if the National League, right, we've talked about this, if we continue with the DH, then you have a little bit more flexibility with him because he's, he's, you know, he's an okay second baseman, but his, his, he, he gets more value, he gains more value if the National League continues to have the DH. So I, you know, I, I, for, as much as we hate the dh in that perspective it actually works out better for him because he doesn't have to play second base every day he could actually slide into the dh spot and maybe if the dh is actually a thing for for next year maybe he just becomes the dh and you slide someone else in who's a little bit more nifty at the bag to play second base so, and
2: here's where Major League Baseball was brilliant this year by, by sliding in that, in that uh, DH spot for the National League with just a 60-game season. I'm an old-school guy. You're an old-school guy. We don't like it. Guess what? I like it now.
1: I want to keep it. And I'm, I, 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 I'm not as against it as I thought I was going to be for sure. Yeah.
2: When they first announced it, you and I were probably like, this is, <laughs> why? Please don't do this. This yeah. is horrible for the game. But, man— it's a lot more fun, right? I mean, not you know, only is
1: it more fun, but it also makes it more fair because the American League gets to use an extra hitter and true. then, you know, when we get to the World Series, you know, and then you know instead of <laughs> Travis Ishikawa and his four home runs all year long. Though, this is not a diss. I love that guy. Oh, for he, sure. He's my half Japanese cousin. But <laughs> Like, like it's just it just makes it a, a little bit more of an even playing field for sure because the National League can then strategically have a DH, whereas the American League has been playing with a DH since what since the seventies.
2: Yeah, and and you're going to extend like we just talked about. They're going to extend careers of guys too. I mean, look at Jim Tomey. If they didn't have The DH, does he play as many years as he does? Edgar Martinez. Edgar Martinez. He's probably out
1: of the league, right? Because he couldn't field the baseball.
2: No, and see, and that's the thing is, yeah, I mean, people say, oh, if you're a baseball player, you should be able to play the position and do this. Well, great. If you're a baseball player, you should be able to pitch and also hit 320, right? I mean, (laughs) so if you can't, get somebody in there who can. So, yeah, I've really warmed up to it. I don't have a problem with it. Um, The playoff spots having eight in each league. We could talk about that some other time. Not a huge fan of that one at this point. Um, It made for some exciting playoffs, but are they going to have a million off days once we're back to normal and you do the, are the playoffs going to last? What are the NBA ones last 18 months? 19 months, something like that. So is is that going to happen to baseball? We're going to start, you know, we're going to have the playoffs in October and then, and then all of a sudden, you know, Christmas day is the game seven of the world series. So I don't know how they're going to do that, but we'll see. All
1: right. So let's, uh, let's move on to the next thing we're going to talk about, which is this, uh, this is interview that he did with Andy Baggerly, Andrew Baggerly. Um, I, I, there wasn't a ton to come out of it, you know, as far as news, but it did give you a little bit of a a, a look into maybe the strategy of what they're going to do this summer. Not this summer, this fall, this fall and winter. Um, it's already winter. Here. Oh, it's already winter. I, I mean, here
2: it is. I don't know about there, but here it's. When,
1: this winter. <laughs> um, you, you see how, you know, 2020 and COVID-19 has just messed me up. <laughs> right. Okay so so they they were talking about a, cu- a couple of points uh one which is that if the giants are going to be a mover and shaker in the free agency this year a lot of people think that they will just because they have some ground to to catch obviously they they need to gain some ground on the dodgers but also because, you know, they have to be if are are they a big market team? I think everyone thinks they're a big market team, but they keep losing out on, on some of these free agents. So are you going to be a mover and shaker? And Zadie said he's like We're in a big market. We consider ourselves a signature franchise. When you look at that group of teams, there's always an expectation for how they may act. As we've shown the last couple of years, what makes sense is not just a function of your market size, but where you are from a baseball standpoint, whether you need to create opportunities for young players, whether you're in position to make a big push. We've talked about ourselves being in a transition state, but we're also coming off a season in which we just missed the playoffs. So again, Everything is on the table. So he didn't really answer the question specifically in the way that maybe you would have wanted him to answer. But it, from what it sounds like to me, they there is a little bit of a... Um, maybe a responsibility for them to spend money because they, they need to be in the thick of things. They need to be competing. So it sounds like they're going to go in... To the, to the off season with very much an open mind that if the right guys are there, they're not gonna be afraid to spend spend money. And I think that's the way to do it. Now, I think the flip side is, is just Zadie being who he is, the analytic model, and just being really smart. If those guys aren't there for the right value, then they probably will pass and wait for the opportunity to add some folks at a, a proper value. But what did you gain from what he said in that that uh, the answer to that question
2: well the, the answer to that one, I mean the big thing that came out of that as I'm reading their article, I stopped on that. I read that part a couple of times where he says, "Look, we're in a big market, yeah. so if they're if for giants fans right that, that signals you your president of baseball operations says that you are." in a big market. That's it. There's no more question about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, as, as we had always said, you know, 10, 12, 14, uh, you know, Hey, the, well, the Giants spend money, but you know, they're still a small market club and they rely on pitching. And uh, I mean, they were growing into a, a big market team and that's what they are. That, I mean, there's, there's no question about that. So going forward, but they're in that weird spot right now. Right. I mean, you know, they're contenders, quote unquote, contenders this year. There's eight playoff spots. Almost everybody was a contender from the most part. Mm -hmm. But they're still rebuilding. They still have that minor league system. Are they gonna go out and make big trades and and lose what they've built in that minor league system? Or are they gonna wait another year, another two until, you know, those guys are ready to go? And bring them up and then also at the same time now start spending that money um, that is off the books and really build some sort of, I hate to say it, but it's true, some sort of Dodger contender mm-hmm. where you're in it every year. And that's what he said in the interview, too. You know that, basically-
1: that, and That's the next question okay, that I was yeah. going to mention. But just to, to kind of take uh, what you said is they were Going to chase mookie Betts for everything that i've read and then the dodgers very smartly signed him and extended him before he was going to be up for free agency yeah so they you know and and they were in second place on bryce harper the fact that they were in second place on bryce harper tells me for the right price they would assign bryce harper for the wrong price they were not interested in signing bryce harper and that's okay they they raised the value they they helped Bryce Harper raise the raise his own value by right jason there but um you know Mookie Betts would have been the perfect player i mean he is the perfect player outside of Mike Trout who's better than Mookie Betts right but the Dodgers are smart they're the champions for a reason even though half their team uh, has covid-19 <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, and that—that's really sad. Like that frustrates right. me yeah, so I much.
2: Know. It does. Now, so is it more than just Turner?
1: there's like supposedly nine people oh, in their franchise who I have had COVID-19 yeah and it's I, been pretty recent too
2: I apologize for laughing then because I thought just Turner I thought you were making a joke about half the team meaning Turner but I had no idea that it had spread the way it had spread wow.
1: I think it's like like nine people in the organization plus one family member or something like that Oh, geez yeah it's rough right. really rough yeah um So you mentioned the Dodgers. Now, the the next question was, how does the the Dodgers championship impact your appetite or aggressiveness? And Zadie said it doesn't at all. And he mentioned things that we mentioned a couple weeks ago when it came to the model, which is the Dodgers. The Dodgers are the model for a big market team and how you put a team together. We also talked about Tampa Bay. They're probably a model when it comes to a smaller market team. But the giants you know can sort of relate to both because there there are the dodgers grabbed tampa bay's uh you know general manager and, and now he runs the show so there 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 it's like a mentality of how do you get more with less and then how do you get more with less and then you have a ton of money like so the the dodgers are really the blueprint so he said the dodgers have been on a good run here as one of the best teams in baseball frankly they're a model for other teams you want to give yourself sustainability by being in playoff contention every year it's creating achievement for them but the broader achievement and more impressive achievement in my view is winning the division and going to the postseason year after year that's what we're trying to build a model of sustainability so them winning the world series doesn't really change the objective so he looked at their franchise and he's like look it doesn't matter if they lose in 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 the playoffs the fact that they get there gives them an opportunity to try and win the world series so i really like that answer you know the giants we, we always make this joke about even year versus odd year <laughs> yeah. and it's kind of cool because it's you know for you know for, you know in 2011 they probably contend if buster posey doesn't get hurt right so the, that's not really about that season but in 13 and in 15 you know, not great teams <laughs> right. for whatever reason. And and building that model of sustainability, like he said, that's the way. You know, that, that was the Red Sox. That's the Dodgers. And I, I love that mentality of trying to do that. It's not necessarily about trying to win the World Series every year. It's really trying to give yourself an opportunity to make the playoffs, because if you have the opportunity, then you can you can you can try and win it. And look how long it took the Dodgers. And look how the Giants would just make the playoffs and win the World Series. And they wouldn't make the playoffs in any other year. So kind of, a a, you know, whatever works. Now, the model of sustainability probably increases your odds in there. And this is an analytic league now increases your odds to get there. And, you know, I I really like that. I like competing. I like being in the running for the playoffs uh, every season like we were this year. I mean, we got the Giants knock themselves out of the playoffs because they couldn't win a game against San Diego. So,
2: (laughs) Now, can you imagine if the Giants were able to, let's say, from 10 to uh, 2017, let's say they were able to get into the playoffs every year? during that stretch, what Bochi would have been able to do. Cause he was the real wild card. I mean, when you, when you talk about managing that pitching staff, managing those wacky, weird lineups with cast offs from all over the place, can you imagine, I mean, how many more could they have two more championships during that stretch? Had they gotten there? So yeah, like you said, it increases your odds. If you've got the right chess pieces in place, Getting there is like 75% of the battle. And then you've got that 25% left to get through the gauntlet of the playoffs. So, and if you've got the right pieces, you can get there. And now the Dodgers with Mookie Betts have one of the right pieces in place. The Padres are trying to get all those right pieces in place too, and just stay healthy for that matter. Um, So when you've got two clubs that are doing that, yeah. You've got to. I mean, that's exactly what Zadie said. And that's what Giants fans should absolutely love to hear. You've got you're in the West now, and you and this is the strongest division in baseball. You've got to really battle it out. And if you want to rise to the top, you've got to get through those other teams. So to hear that from Zadie is just it's it's heartwarming. It makes you excited for off season moves. I mean yeah, you know, who's excited for off season moves when, when you're a bad team, you kind of get excited for off season moves, you know, but then you also go, well, you know, are we rebuilding? It's just not going to be that fun. But with Zadie, Uh, you know, searching that waiver wire, looking for little trades, the Rule 5 draft, um, everything else, it's really exciting to kind of sit back as a Giants fan and say, "Okay, how are we going to get there? We're starting to see the progress. I can't wait to see where this goes now.
1: All right. So let's change gears here. I have two more topics before we get to our greatest Giants team tournament, which We are very close to the end here with uh, with the two. It's the 2003 team against the 65. Yeah, 65. 65. So that that will that'll be the last segment. But before we get there, there are a couple of uh, of stories or or news items in Major League Baseball as it relates to the Giants. We were we've been talking about Trevor Bauer for a few weeks here now as a possible target. Now, you know, I, I think Depending on how you think Zadie and company look at long-term deals for starting pitchers after, you know, we just we're dealing with Quato and Quato got hurt, but also Samarja, and then there's the Barry Zito deal. So not not saying, you know, the Giants haven't been great with luck when it comes to those signings of late, but you and I mentioned Trevor Bauer, you know, is he is he a guy? Is he someone that You could really build your entire pitching staff around. And uh, I think it was John Heyman wrote or he was on a podcast or something. And so someone aggregated the podcast and they said that the Giants, according to John Heyman, could be interested in signing Trevor Bauer. Now, they already did the qualifying offer on Gossman. Trevor Bauer, I know you like him a lot. How much do you think this is, you know, is is this a reality or is it just? Talk.
2: You know, I think it's a reality, and, and the reasons it was brought up by John Heyman too, I like and I understand, um, <clears throat> would would really work for this club. And that's and those reasons are because well, first off, Trevor Bauer has said, I want to play on one year contracts for the rest of my career. He's not going to. I mean, you know, Linticum wanted to do that, too, throughout arbitration. Remember that? Yeah. One-year contract at a time. One-year contract at a time. Finally, they got him at the end of it to to buy out two years of arbitration, um, which was, uh, you know, a win for the Giants at that point because he just kept getting better and better. Uh, Now, Trevor Bauer... You know, this is, again, a weird year because you had a a small sample size. He dominated. He's probably going to be the National League Cy Young Award winner. Um, Does that up his price tag? Sure, it does. Absolutely. He's got an award, right? He had a 2.7 war last year, and he's going to win the Cy Young. 100 strikeouts in 73 innings. He's not going to be cheap. Giants can sign him, to. You know a one year deal what I don't know thirty million let's say thirty five million one year deal and then he goes out at the end of the season and uh, and and goes out and looks for a bigger contract um Heyman said five years one hundred and fifty million is what he sees the Giants throwing at him and that also makes sense because then you're looking at thirty million a year right. is that did I do that right? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. my math. That's my math right there. Th- Thirty million a year, um, and after two thousand twenty-one, the Giants have. You know, possibly Crawford coming off the books. Possibly Posey coming off the books. uh, going to be off the books. Uh, Samarge's off the books at the end of this season, so he's done. Um, so they've got a little bit of money in there to play with. So, so the deal would be tight this year, but then you know, in twenty one, but then it, it would look like a really good deal after that. So they could, you know, backload the contract get him in there at a really good price this year, and then all of a sudden, boom, he shoots up, and then he's market value the rest of the time. They could give him a two-year, you know, uh, an opt-out after two years, uh, like they did with Cueto. Cueto was hurt, so he didn't take that. Um, that's why we still have him. But, uh, but yeah, I, mean, I really think it's doable. I think he could be that number one for the Giants. God, I, I, I mean, how exciting would it be to see the guy pitch 15 games at uh, at uh, AT and T, whatever they call it now, I, just, I can't Oracle Park. Oracle Park. I can't keep up with the names, man. AT and T, SBC, Oracle. Um, but anyways, fifteen games there. That would be awesome uh, in that yard and with the Giants' surging offense. I mean, you, you, every game he pitches at uh, at Oracle, he could you know shut down the opposing offense. And and you've got that stopper guy that can come in if you're on a two-game losing streak. You go, like, well, we got Bauer today. I mean, last season, what did we, this season, what did we have? You didn't you didn't feel that way. You didn't feel, well, here's Gossman, and he's okay and he's really good, but I don't know hundred percent if he's gonna go out there and shut down the offense. Mm-hmm. But you pair a Bauer with a Gossman, and now all of a sudden you've got a really good one-two punch. So I'm still. I mean, I'm advocating for the guy to get signed by the Giants. I know he's going to break my heart and go somewhere else, Mm -hmm. but you know that's my that's my say on that.
1: Okay, are you worried about the inconsistency in his career so far? And so I I will give a little bit of uh, of information to that statement. So comes into the league with Arizona. I think they ship him like really quickly, right? Yeah. Uh, so he goes to Cleveland. He did not have, I think, what people would consider necessarily a successful career uh, or a, a, a good, you know. A, a, I don't. I don't think people would consider him a good starting pitcher until maybe 2016. So from 2012, he's with Cleveland. He's uh, he's young, but he get, he starts getting uh, a lot of starts in 2015, 2016. You know, he's got the four point two six ERA. Uh he's not really striking a ton of people out. He's a little bit less than one strikeout per inning at that point, but the FIP is is, is three point nine nine. So he's doing better than what, what his outcome is as far as general statistics. It's not until two thousand and eighteen with Cleveland where he really takes off. Twelve and six. Uh, leads the league in FIP. Also, um, 221 strikeouts against 175 innings. So his strikeout numbers are way up. The following year, he has a little bit of a mixed year. Cleveland trades him to Cincinnati. Uh, he does not do well in Cincinnati in those, uh, I don't know how many starts he had. But he goes 2-5 and five with a 6.39 ERA in 2019. And his war is actually combined in that season with uh, with the with Cleveland and Cincinnati. His war is one point one. When in two thousand and eighteen, it was five point eight. Two thousand seventeen, it was two point nine. So he has been a little bit up and down. And I think most people are like, well, he figured it out. But it seemed like he had figured it out in 2018 as well. And then he kind of fell back a little bit um, from, you know, from, from that season. So to consider him the ace, are you a little bit worried about the lack of consistency in his
2: career so far? You know, I'm not. And the reason I'm not is because what do they always say? What, what's the pinnacle of a baseball player's career? What is the the age where at this age...
1: He's 29.
2: This, yeah, but at, at this particular age, 27 years old. 27 year old, years old is always the, the uh, year that most people look at at a baseball player's career and say, what did he do? How did he progress until the age 27? Mm-hmm. That's usually the pinnacle of a baseball player's career. From then on, that's who they should technically be. Um, at 27 years old, he had his best season of his career. The 2.21 ERA, 12-6 um, and six record with Cleveland, uh, 221 strikeouts and 175 innings. The FIP of 2.44 uh, only gave up 0.5 home runs per nine. Since then, when he was in with Cleveland the next season, 2019, the trade rumors started. Um, he was a little bit of a head case. Him and um, uh, the manager there uh oh, it's escaping me right now. Uh, in Cleveland, uh, anyways, they, they didn't get it. Tito Francona, Francona, yeah, they didn't get it. They didn't get along very well. That was well documented. They did not like each other. Then he goes to Cincinnati, traded, um, only pitched seven games. He was hurt, from what I remember, uh, the second part of that season a bit. So, so then, so then this season. First quote unquote full season uh, in in Cincinnati. It's only sixty games. He gets seventy three innings and that does have the ERA plus of two seventy six. Um, his WHIP w- uh, led the league at point seven nine. Um, home runs or hits per nine five point one. Uh, so just a really dominating season. So that's twenty seven years old. His best season. Little bit of a blip on the radar and then 29 back to being good. That's why I think the Giants can take that chance on him. Um, I, and then he's a big analytics guy. I mean, he is big into seeing the break on his curve, the break on his slider, uh, his fastball movement, his arm rotation. And the Giants are becoming one of those clubs now that is starting to become the top when it comes to analytics and breaking down pitching mechanics, rotation of the ball. So I think this is a really, really good fit. Unfortunately, I also see the Dodgers as being a really good (laughs) fit. And if they want to get one more pitcher to kind of push them over the edge to be a dynasty – That's what they could do. No problem. So, uh, but, but I think he is a really good fit and I think the giants can take that chance because of the
1: 27
2: year old season and the 29 year old season.
1: All right. What about Francisco Lindor, who he has been the franchise player for the Cleveland Indians. And now it looks like they're going to trade him the year before he becomes a free agent, so theoretically, getting a top prospect for him and then that team that, that trades for him has the entire year to talk him into signing with them long-term. The Giants came up in an article with Ken Rosenthal. He, you know, They are one of the teams that is sort of being rumored to be interested in him. It would probably take a Joey Bart, and that's probably not, all it's going to take. What do you think about Lindor? You, you mentioned the year twenty-seven. I think he's twenty-seven years old right now. Uh, his statistics, uh, as far as uh, on-base percentage, has been slowly uh, decreasing every year, but he is still amazing. The Giants have a really good shortstop who had a good year this year in Brandon Crawford, but he's also, you know, not going to be with the team probably. After 2021. So, what do you think about Lindor?
2: You know, that's a tough one. I'm a big Lindor fan. Uh, I, I like the guy. I don't know in this particular situation, the Giants are scoring runs, right? I mean, if, if, this year the Giants scored runs. They don't have a problem hitting, uh, they have a problem with the pitching staff. Uh, so if they could bolster that pitching staff first, that's why I'd like a Bauer, Gossman, and Smiley. Whatever you have to do, lock people in, then maybe start thinking about a Lindor type of player. And yes, um, Crawford's got Crawford, Crawford's under contract next year, um, but he's aging. I mean, he's he's his defense is down a little bit. Uh, offense was much better this year. but... Um, But again, it's it's one of those situations where it's it's Francisco Lindor. I mean, it's one of the best players (laughs) in baseball.
1: So yeah, these these, guys don't come up often, right? Like these guys aren't available generally because the teams are you know want to keep these guys.
2: Well, and that's why the Giants went so hard after Bryce Harper because Bryce Harper was a free agent at 26 years old, and here's Francisco Lindor at 27. Uh, can't remember how old Mookie Betts is. He's probably around the same age as well. Um, and so that's why the Giants are looking. So, so you, you've got to look at it. you got to say, well, what, what can we do? I mean, you know, kick the tires around, give the Indians a call and say, what do you guys like from our roster? What do you guys like from our minor league system? Is it something we can work out? Um, is it a one-year rental? because he is under contract for 2021. Um, one big draw for free agents in San Francisco is once they come to us in a trade, they play in front of this fan base, this crazy fan base that is very passionate and there every night and yelling and screaming, are we going to have that next year?
1: Mm, probably so, not.
2: So that guy, I think, I was thinking about that today. I think that's got to play into it, right? I mean, you trade for Lindor, he plays in front of nobody. And then he goes, yeah, San Francisco's cool, but I can't hit in this ballpark. <laughs> so, but if he's, you know, but if he's he's knocking in the game winning run in the bottom of the ninth at uh, you know eleven thirty p.m. at night, and and ninety percent of the crowd is still there going crazy, and the you know the seagulls are flying around trying to you know, pick up all the the garlic fries. I mean, it's fun. It's 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 somewhere you want to be. Somewhere you want to be a long time, and you could see yourself being. It's a diverse city. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's all kinds of awesome stuff to do in San Francisco. Go. It's not Cleveland, you know. Yep. It, yep. It's be, it's better than Cleveland. So, but but again, what do you give up to get him there to show him that, and then do you have fans to show him that? So I don't know. A lot of things in play for this season.
1: Would, would you would you give up Joey Bart if if you had an idea that Lindor would be open to signing? You know, obviously, if he said yes, I want I want to play in San Francisco. You're like, okay, like you know, you can probably have Bart. But what if he was just like, look, I I will be open to signing here. Do you take the chance? You know,
2: I I would. I would do it because it's Lindor. And if he says, then I want to sign, I'm 27. I want to sign a a seven-year deal after that. Yeah. I say, okay. (laughs) I I think you kind of, at that point, I think you kind of have to do it. I agree. Um, and, And again, you're fighting in the West, right? I mean this is not you're not just kind of hanging out in the uh you know I can't think of a bad division right now than Nas- National League uh East right you're not mm-hmm. in, you're not hanging out in the East where you got the Braves you know the Marlins are okay um but again you've got um you know the yeah I th- I think you do trade Bart cuz I because I think And and Catcher is such a tough position. They did draft Patrick Bailey. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, is he going to be a Joey Bart? Is he going to be a a Buster Posey? No, not many guys are. But how many shortstops are going to be Francisco Lindor? Right. And and, and we still don't know what Joey Bart's going to be. And nobody knows
1: exactly what Joey
2: Bart's going to be. So I think you have to pull that trigger.
1: But you know who they ask for? And this is where I think the Giants say no, is they ask for... Lucky Luciano. Mm. And the Giants probably say no. I think they do. You know, that's a tough one, too, because, yeah, Luciano's a
2: shortstop. So, I mean, it, and and they said, and the Giants have already said, we want to keep him at shortstop. But he's 19. Yeah. At 19 years old, still, do you know what you have yet? I Are you trying to win right now? And that's the thing. The estimated time of arrival for Luciano is 2022. Yeah. Um You know he can play other positions, Uh, so you know how much more valuable is he there. But uh, if you're trying to win now, if you think you have a shot to possibly finish second in this division and grab a wild card spot for the coming years, then you absolutely do it. Uh, If you if you still feel like you're in that rebuilding phase, I think you hold off. I hate to do it because the guy's 27 and it's Francisco Lindor. It's all-star shortstop face of Major League Baseball. Yeah. It's hard to pass on. So, yeah.
1: All right. Let's let's do the last segment here where we talk about this San Francisco Giants all-time tournament. And we are down to... We already have one of the, uh, the, the final game, and now we're trying to get the second team who's going to play for that greatest team uh, moniker. So what, So we, we mentioned 1965 versus 2003, so not teams that made the World Series, not teams <laughs> that, you know, that, that are those historical teams, but in this tournament, they did, they did play very well. Well, that two thousand three
2: team, and and we all thought at the time, we go, man, two thousand two, lost the World Series, came back, kind of rebuilt the roster a little bit, you know, um, and you know, with Durham and Grissom, and and and, uh, you know, you thought, man, this is. Uh, this this is a strong, strong team. Mm-hmm.
1: It was. Um, it was a very strong team.
2: Very strong. 100 wins. Uh, we thought, this is stronger than 2002. And then they broke our hearts in the first round <laughs> of the playoffs, like they always do. Yeah. Um, so sad. Yeah. So game one, uh, Marshall versus Schmidt. 1965 at 2003. So we always give the higher seed was the 2003 team. They were the nine seed. Thirteen seed was 1965. So we always give the higher seed the uh, you know the four games at home and the seven games. So JT Snow had a home run in the first, a two run bomb. Bonds hit a two run bomb in the sixth. Uh, and then uh, the great Tim Worrell with the save mm. um, that could have been part of our problem too. Nen, remember, <laughs> you know Nen was shut down yeah, beginning in two
1: thousand three. Blew out his shoulder trying to win the World Series.
2: Yeah, exactly. So we do. So we, had, we were kind of piecing together some uh, some closers that season. But uh, player of that game and in, in the four to two win for two thousand three was. Um, Jason Schmidt, eight innings, six hits, a walk, and seven strikeouts. So they've got a one game to nothing lead. You go to game two. It's uh, Shaw from the 1965 team, Bobby Shaw against uh, Sidney Ponson, who I don't know if I don't know if he ever became like a Giants favorite or yeah, a. I don't think right, so. no, all right. Hey, we traded for Sidney Ponson. I don't think that ever. Quite happened that year.
1: Doesn't in in Spanish doesn't Panzón mean stomach? <laughs> <laughs> Looking at
2: the guy, it very well could mean <laughs> stomach. <laughs> Poor Sydney Ponson. <laughs> so this one started out with a uh, a ground ball, ball RBI from Grissom. This was kind of a sneaky game. Just kind of the 2003 team just kind of dinked and dunked their way to a win. Alfonso Ag- Edgardo Alfonso with a ground ball RBI in the fourth, and then JT Snow with an RBI knock in the seventh, and that was it. Worrell one two three ninth inning, and they won it. Three Three nothing. Ponson, eight innings, six hits, three walks, big old zero strikeouts. He just oh, uh, wow got them to put the ball in play, and the defense did the rest. So, two thousand three was up two games to none. Game three, Woody against uh, Gaylord Perry. Uh, Bonds started this one off with a two-run home run in the first. They had already scored a run. It was three nothing. Then he Bonds wasn't, he wasn't throwing a spitball there. No, he was not. And and if he was, Bonds was seeing it well. And uh, Bonds with an RBI double in the third to make it 4-0. Um, Woody was in a bit of a jam in the fifth. I think he had a runners at first and second with uh, one out, and he got out of that one with no runs. Uh, then the 2003 team just dinked and dunked a three-run seventh inning. Uh, so at that point, they're up 7 nothing. And then Woody gave up two runs in the seventh. Uh, Chad Zerbe came in and shut down the... Uh, 65 team in the 8th and ninth. Chad Zerbe, he was there when I was broadcasting. When we were broadcasting in uh, uh, 97, 98, 99 with the uh, San Jose Giants, Chad Zerbe was there. And I remember he had uh, some pretty, pretty shut down late innings. He actually started a couple games as well. Hmm. Um, player of the game in that one, Bonds, 3 for 3 with uh, 3 RBIs. And so they win that one 7 to 2. They're up 3 games to none. Wow. Then 1965 showed a little life. Game four, Uh, Jesse Foppert against uh, Ron Herbel, Uh, and uh, Mays with a two-run shot in the first. McCovey with the solo home run in the third. They go up three nothing. That was it. I mean, that was pretty much it. Then they went on to win six nothing. Jose Cruz Jr. He had an error in right field in the Mm. sixth inning, who's so famously known for in the 2003 (laughs) playoffs. Oh my God.
1: You had Jose Cruz making an error, and then you had Jesse Floppert on the mound. <laughs> right. How did 65 had to win that game?
2: <laughs> yeah, so they won that one 6 0. Ron Herbel uh, goes six and a third, two hits, two walks, four strikeouts, no runs. Uh, so when we get to game three uh, the rematch of Schmidt versus uh, Marischal, um, and then uh, another dink and dunk. Uh, first inning for the 1965 team, they go up 3 uh, nothing in the first. So here we go. I texted you. I said, I think they're coming back. I think we might have a an interesting series here. And then in the sixth inning, the uh, 2003 team had a couple singles, some walks. They score three runs to tie it up. And then Benito Santiago with a sack fly. And uh, they make it a 4-3 to game. Uh, so 2003 know, is in the lead now. Then Jimmy Ray Hart hits a solo home run in the seventh. Ray Durham then gets a go-ahead RBI single in the ninth. They tack on another run. And then Tim Worrell with the save, uh, his third of the, of the series. Schmidt gets the uh, player of the game, seven and two-thirds, six hits, two walks, eight strikeouts, even though he gives up four runs. Um, MVP of the series as 2003 goes on to win four games to one. MVP of that series was Bonds, seven for eighteen. He hit three eighty-nine, two home runs, five ribs, one point three 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 OPS.
1: First real Barry Bonds uh, series that I think. Like he's had he's had a couple of good series, he's had yeah. a couple of bad ones, but this was the first one where he was really like that two thousand and two bonds.
2: Well that yeah, and and he was on, let's see. So we had him on the uh 2000 team right, mm-hmm. uh, 2004, uh, 97, and these are all the teams at the beginning of the tournament that he was on. Um, let's see, 2002, 93, 2003, 2001. So he made plenty of appearances and through throughout all the rounds. This was his first MVP award for a series, and it came in the final four. And uh, so now, 2003, the number nine seed will go on to face the number two seed, the 2010 World Series champions.
1: Get prediction?
2: You know, I the way 2010 has been rolling through this series, I say they win it four games to two.
1: Hmm. I think. I mean, I think it'd be apropos for them to win. Though, like you said, that 2003 team was really good. And they just underperformed in the playoffs. If you go guy by guy, that may be a better team than 2010. But I, I would love to see 2010 win because it is a World Series team. But I don't know. That 2003 team is probably one of the more disappointing teams in the history of the Giants. Just because they should have gone really far and they should have been representing the national league in the world series that year i don't know if they win it but you know they they should have been that team that year but they just you know they they made some mistakes and they just underperformed and you know like you said maybe you don't have the the top line closer that you, that you would like to see from that kind of team but overall i think it's going to be a pretty darn good matchup what is the plan for us when it comes to this series?
2: Well, we're going to, we're kind of kicking around the idea of doing this and we'll see from a technology standpoint, if we can make it look pretty, um, we're going to try to zoom in with each other and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll put the the game up on the screen and we'll kind of do a little, not play by play, but we'll just do a little commentary as we hit the space bar to move each batter along, um, I'm thinking kicking around the idea and see what you think of doing games one through three. So we don't have a winner, but we'll do all three of those games on on a Zoom. We'll record it. And then uh, and then we can talk about games one through three on the podcast next week. And then uh, and then right afterwards, we'll post those games on YouTube, on our YouTube channel. Uh, so people can go back and kind of see how this whole thing plays out and see what the tournament has been about this whole time.
1: Yeah, that'll be fun if we can pull it off. I think I think it'll be a blast to just kind of watch through those teams because you know the one one of the thing about one of the things about both of those teams, even though two thousand and three was seventeen years ago, like almost all of the guys. It's gonna feel like we're, we're we're they're very familiar, you know. Be, just because like it's it's it is a long time ago, but you know when you live through the Giants and and some of those teams like those, you know when we see, um, you mentioned. Uh, uh, Edgardo Alfonso and, and Ray Durham and guys like that, like those are guys that I feel like I was like, oh, yeah, you know, they only retired like last year. Like, nope, <laughs> they've been they've been gone for so long. But it's just the way your brain works because the way we watch the Giants. So it's not it's, you know, it, those guys will be very familiar. And then, I mean, I, I don't know if there's a team we know better than the 2010 team.
2: Oh, no. And, you know, and the fun thing is we played this whole tournament and we ended up with two teams in the final. And I quickly did a scan of the rosters today, but we ended up with two teams in the final that don't share any common players.
1: Oh, wow. That's interesting.
2: Yeah. So that's really fun because by the time, you know, a seven year span, you didn't have any 2003 rookies on the Giants Mm -hmm. who, you know, uh, you're looking up and down the lineup. You've got Ray Durham. you've got Marquise Grissom. Those guys were old at that point, right? Aurelia Bonds, Edgardo Alfonso, Benito Santiago, who was on, uh, you know, he had his walker out there. He was old. Uh, (laughs) Big Cat, Andres Galarraga, Jose Cruz Jr. A lot of, Cruz Jr. was the only one who was really one of the younger players on the team. Everybody else was older. Schmidt, Ponson, Woody, Foppert was a young guy, but he never paid Hand out. Um, none of those guys were able to have a long career with the Giants to be able to be there in 2010. Nate, what about see. Nathan? Um, I don't. You know what? I have to look. That's a good point. I've got to look to see.
1: I just remember Alou throwing him out there, and then he can't get an out, and, and Alou's just like, okay, you're never pitching again. <laughs> Like, I just don't trust you.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and then they made the horrible decision of trading him.
1: Oh, the Pruszynski trade?
2: Yeah. Oh, my God. See, Nathan was there in 2003. So he was with the team, 2003, but then he didn't come back to the Giants until 2016. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so so really, I mean, he's a guy who could have, right? He could have easily been there in 2010. Mm -hmm. Um, He actually didn't pitch in 2010. I think he had the arm injury... 2009 had surgery, so he didn't even pitch in 2010. But, uh, but yeah, so that that's a guy who could have been a lot of guys who could have been around, but just the way it all they played tra- out. Yeah,
1: and then they trade him.
2: Yeah, seven year span. We've got 2003. We've got 2010. No common players, so that that'll be pretty interesting series.
1: All right, so we're done here, but uh, we may if we get to do the YouTube stuff, we'll post it to. The Channel before the next time we do the podcast, because we want to get all those games done before we get to the podcast, But if you want a little bit of a uh, a teaser or a spoiler into how the tournament is going, we'll post those into our YouTube channel. We will tweet them out. We will put them into our Facebook group. So I'm hoping that we can do it cause I think it'll be a lot of fun. And this is kind of what we were trying to do or what we were thinking about doing as we got to the end. So, Crossing my fingers that we can do it. And
2: I think we can pull it off. We're smart dudes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Most and, of the time. And, and if we're not that smart, there's got to be like a YouTube video that's showing <laughs> right. us how to do it.
2: <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> All right. So uh, we are done here for this week. We'll be back next week uh, for Brad. I am Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out. Peace.
0: Done.